Hey, this is Russell, and I work at the video store. I love this job because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. And interesting customers pop in to rent something all the time. Each week, we can help you figure out what you could be watching on streaming platforms and out in cinemas. Okay, let's open up the shop. How's it, guys? Good morning. Good morning. Top of the morning and top of the morning to you listening. We have ourselves an exciting episode today. We are going to have Deborah Darling come in and pop in to rent something, which we are going to get into and explain. And we're also going to be talking about Mission Impossible. because The three of us went to go and watch Mission Impossible, the new Mission Impossible film, uh, Dead, Dead Reckoning, Reckoning Part, Part 1. one. Uh, I would also like to very much talk about the, the strike that's yeah. happening. So I think it's going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Let's get into it. Time codes in the description. Do you guys know about Deborah? I do indeed. Have you, have you no. heard about... Okay, cool. So what she is, she's an amazing woman who in her, what Jane Fonda calls her final chapter, or her third act oh, is right. the term. Jane Fonda uses the term. Your third act. So... um. She is a woman who in her 60s has found herself uh, being a model and being what she calls an inspirer instead of an influencer, which is very true. And I was very lucky enough to meet her and we've done this collaboration together and I was instantly fascinated by her. She is very elegant beautiful and she's got this gray hair that she owns she she literally puts it on display in this beautiful iconic hairstyle and has found this audience of people around the world who find her inspiring in the sense that she's not going to just disappear into the background um in her sort of later life she's not going to um fight aging she's going to own it and she's going to look great and mm. live her best life. And I just loved this. I loved meeting her and um, I watched uh, the most incredible film and um, this, all, this will, will come up in the chat. Um, I, w- I want to bring it up with her. the film. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. And um, I reached out to her and I said, have you seen this film? You should see it. It speaks to so much about what you um, are putting out as a, as a, as a person, as an entity. And um, we're going to have a chat about it, which is, which is great. And I, I also want to hear other films that she loves. I want to hear about what's going on in her life. So for, for all of those who, who tune in every week, um, here's your chance to hear the, the most interesting story of someone who is finding themselves in the most interesting, amazing place. And even for myself, who is a late 30s man, I wanted to hear this because it reframes how I see my mom, how I see my sister, how I see my girlfriend, how I would see us kind of growing old together. Mm. It, it doesn't have much to do with movies <laughs> and cinema, but I think that's cool. And it's the the I'm sure our chat is going to be flavored by us talking about good luck to you, Leo Grand, and and other stuff. And for all of those now listening who are fans of Deborah Darling welcome and 
it's so nice to have you here in the video store. Um, we, as as a bunch of guys, ap- appreciate uh, these interesting customers that that come in, hmm. and we are also going to talk about what we're watching. Um, the three of us yesterday went to go watch the new Mission Impossible. <laughs> And so I want us to talk about Mission Impossible and I want us to talk about Tom Cruise. And I think that that's such a cool balance that we can have these interesting people come in because, and then we can, and then we can chat about Mission Impossible. I love the fact that we can do all of this together because the video store itself was such a lovely mix. If you remember video stores and, and our video store is no different. Yeah. It's, it's got such a nice mix of people from all over coming in to rent something to watch, you know? Um, I, I, I think that that's going to be the magic of the podcast. I think what's going to be great is having people from all walks of life, like comics, musicians, models, just sportsmen, sports yeah. people, uh, just anyone that is just interesting, would, who, who is an interesting customer to have. I think it's going to be great having them come into the store and, and just being this lovely mix of just so many different people and, and, and that people could every week take a chance on, on someone different. Mm. Um, and I think that's going to be the success of the show. And, and I just think this episode is a, is a great example of, of this balance. Um, so yeah, so Deborah Darling is going to pop in and then after that chat, please stick around afterwards. We've got some things to talk about one of which is Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, which is uh, part one, which is in cinemas now. And then another thing I'd love us to chat more about is is this strike, yeah. which is happening around the world. Obviously, mostly from the organizations in America that look after the screenwriters and the actors' guilds, and of course how that is like affecting everything. I think it's very interesting. I think we're at a very interesting time right now, literally within the week. Of, of interesting things happening. The other thing I also want to mention um, is that we are doing a special video store presents night, which is coming up at the Bioscope. So as the video store, we record here in the Bioscope, which is a cinema in Johannesburg. Uh, we talk a lot about the Bioscope and what goes on. And as a podcast, we are hosting the occasional night where we want to meet people. We want people to come in. We want to spread the word about the video store. So we want these films to be films that we think you should see. And we want to activate them in fun and exciting ways. So on the 28th of July, um, we are going to screen Hot Fuzz. Woo! (laughs) Guess what Michael said? What? What? What are you making me watch? (laughs) (laughs) Michael is uh, Cole's boyfriend who we very much appreciate um, Hot Fuzz is, nice. is the fantastic um, Edgar Wright film with Simon Pegg and um, I, I just love it it's such a great play on the sort of bad boys 90s action film but of yeah. course it's set in this tiny little town in England <laughs> it's brilliant. it is such a great film and so we are doing it as a quote along where when you come to the cinema on the day we'll have a, a list of quotes we want and encourage you to shout out loud in the <laughs> cinema and get involved and we are are playing up the fact that it is a Friday night you've gone to the video store you've got this film you're coming home you're going to have pizza um, so we want people to bring blankets and come in comfy clothes if they want 
and we're just going to have a great time. And tickets are selling, which is great. Nice. Awesome. And, um, so we, we should expect a lovely crowd. Are we selling Cornettos? And that's what I wanted to do. Oh, okay. I wanted to get a bunch of Cornettos and give those away as spot prizes for anyone who comes with some kind of reference to the film. Cool. Or some kind of like fun outfit or something silly. Make sure they're blue. They got to be blue Cornettos, yeah. yeah. Why? Because that's like the the blue Cornetto is the is the one that uses okay, this movie. Cool. So yeah, so Hot Fuzz forms part of something that has been referred to as the Cornetto trilogy, yeah. which is these three films that this filmmaker has made with these actors, where at one small tiny little part in the movie, they get a Cornetto at a convenience store, yeah. and there is a reference to the Cornetto, the the ice cream. Yeah, um, it's a lovely thing. So it's uh, Shaun of the Dead was the first one. Yep. Hot Fuzz was the second one, and then At World's End was yeah. the third. And they are called the Cornetto Trilogy. Yeah. So that's something fun. And so that's the 28th of July. Uh, tickets will be at thebioscope.co.za. If you live in Joburg, um, come down. We'd love to meet you and hang out. Ooh, a film I've watched this week, which I think speaks to the chat we're about to have right. with Deborah Darling, is a film called Moving On, which is on DSTV box office. And especially for those who know Deborah Darling and follow her, this is a great recommendation. It's on box office now. It stars Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, which oh. people will know were the duo that were the successful Grace and Frankie. Mm. My mom's favorite TV show. show. So oh. they come back together for this film. And it's a very interesting film on a few levels. The one is the fact that Jane Fonda, who very famously in this kind of third act of her life, still looks very young, often has dyed hair. Mm. Um, in this film, she's gray, which is not something you typically are used to seeing Jane Fonda no. look like. Yeah. And we are about to meet Deborah Darling, who very impassionately owns her gray, gray hair. That's a big part of her identity, is, is loving and appreciating your gray hair. So I find it interesting that there's this film that's just come to box office where Jane Fonda is wearing gray hair yeah. and has gray hair. But it's, a, it's an interesting film. These two friends meet up at the funeral of a good friend. So they've obviously got this long history with their friend who's now just passed away. And in that is also some trauma and some secrets and things that unravel. And, sure. and they've got to, as the title of the movie suggests, they've got to move on. So the mm. film's called Moving On. Um, at the core of it is also Malcolm McDowell. Oh, wonderful. The, he's the husband. Right. He's the husband of the deceased friend. And there's a secret and there's a problem with him. Right. He was embroiled in something. I don't want to give too much away. But he's got this evil face because you're so used to seeing him as, as, clock, Alex. as Clockwork <laughs> Orange. So he's got this depth to his character. Mm -hmm. um, but it's uh, an interesting case of how we, how we deal with trauma how we need to move on. And I think it's going to speak very well to the chat we're about to have with Deborah Darling, where it's about how you just, you've got to live your life and you've got to make the most of what you have and you, and, and you can't, you can't live in the past. Um, so, so it's a nice recommendation for people who, who know Deborah. Um, the film's called Moving On and it's on uh, DSTV box office. But I think let's waste no more time. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's let's cool. have her come and visit. All right. Uh, this is Deborah Darling popping in to read something. How's it? How are you? I'm so good. And so it's nice. so good to see you. So nice to see you. We I don't mean, 
We don't see you too often anymore because you now live in Pretoria. Yes. But it's you are about to go somewhere, which I we're going to get into. I am. I'm heading off on a little adventure in a few weeks. Where are you going? Going to Tel Aviv for four days. I've been invited by a designer. It'll be okay. my third trip with them. Okay. They take us there to show their new collection and. That's exciting. Tell it lots of lovely things to do in Tel Aviv. Yeah. They they want they want you to wear the stuff. Yes, they yes okay. I wear I'm actually wearing all their stuff today as it okay. happens. Because <laughs> you are you are very well dressed as <laughs> as always. Thank you. Um, so let's let's perhaps start at, at least the beginning of our friendship <laughs> to put things into some context. Um, we have a great mutual friend, uh, which is. Tamarin yes. Garrity, who yes. has a very cool channel on YouTube called um, or on Instagram called Document. Yes, and um, and and Document make these short minute long segments on people. Um, I've known Tamarin since uh, high school, and she got us in touch because she'd featured you. She knew you, and you'd said, "I'd like someone who could help make a product, make yes. uh, t-shirts." Yes, because Someone has made this great artwork of you, yes, and it could make a great T-shirt. Yes, <laughs> so I was like, "Who is this person?" And I went on over to your Instagram, and I was immediately bowled over. I was immediately, I immediately kind of got it, and I was very excited to meet you. And we released this T-shirt together, which yes. sold to people around the world. Yes, and it was so exciting. Yes. and I, I understood so much more about the world after our interaction. Oh, what a lovely I, thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to hear it from you, but basically what you were able to explain to me is is sort of what happens to a woman at a certain point in their life and how you came about in amongst all of that and brought so much joy and confidence yeah. and Amazing things into the world. Perhaps just to kind of launch straight into that, would you be able to yeah. kind of explain oh, where to start? <laughs> you, <Yes>. Your whole <laughs> trajectory. Yes. Well, I'll try. Highlight package. Sure. Um, sure. I uh, worked in corporate all my life, IT departments and so on. So I was never. That was my life. Heading up to, to towards fifty and feeling like. Um, it might all be over, I think, because women are, are quite, you know, society tells us that beyond a certain age, it's you're pretty much done for. So That job, was, was you sort of quite in the back? Were you interfacing yeah. with people? Um, a little bit um, training, um, software mostly training. mostly internally? Yes, mostly internally. Okay. Yes. And, and, the, and the hair at that point? <laughs> <laughs> No, it was just hair. <laughs> it was just hair and your clothes uh, were just clothes. Well, I've always liked to dress up and I've always sort of liked to have my hair in a sort of a funky style, but okay. no, it was just... But perhaps not as... No, not as tall. Not as tall as it is now. <laughs> not as tall, not as silver. Because I think the important thing to mention now is is, is who's sitting in front of me, which is, <laughs> which is probably one of the most stylish individuals <laughs> and, and someone who, which we're going to get into now... Um, is owning your your age, yes. your greyness, yes. and and making it the most fabulous hairstyle, and make and giving yeah. yourself the most fabulous style that I don't think you could 
walk past the table and people not notice you. No, that's that in a happens. really great and lovely <laughs> way. That does happen a lot. Yeah, but um, so what it, happened? It, it wasn't always like that. So I, as I approached fifty, I started feeling quite sort of gloomy about it. Um, because I think society does have that message towards women. You know, we, 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 we sort of berate ourselves for aging, for for getting wrinkles, for yeah. getting grey hair. Um, and I tell the story often, but a, a chap at work, a young a young guy, and I don't think he was trying to be unkind, but he said, "You're past your sell by date." It's a little throwaway line, and terrible. Yeah. So it's quite a quite a quite a tough thing and it sent me into a bit of a spiral and I, I'd been recently divorced and I think that you know all these it was just not a good time and then um, two, two tragedies in the same year my younger sister much younger sister she was 12 years younger than me and uh, a very dear friend of mine who was just a couple of years older died suddenly both of them within a couple of weeks of each other oh wild and it gives you pause for thought that, that and a divorce and it, well, the divorce was a couple of years before, but, still, but fifty was, was looming. It was all happening, all combining yeah. as you as you reach this, yes. this age. Yeah. Yes, and I, but but it, it it gave me pause for thought. I mean, here I was, alive, well, happy, yeah. Yeah. turning fifty. But I mean, and I and I and I just made a conscious decision that what a what a what a privilege, what a what a how grateful we should be for still being here. Yeah, yeah I'm the oldest sibling. There were three of us, and our my brother, my younger brother, my sister had passed away. So um, I just had a complete change of heart about it all and, and decided that um, I was going to sort of live every moment and, yeah. and, you know, not listen to the naysayers. And then I fast forward a couple of years and then um, I had my hair had become silver and it kind of started getting taller and taller, morphing upwards. And some friends said to me, why don't you try modeling? Because I was getting so much attention for my hair. I was having, I mean, I was having people stop me in the street and saying, oh my God, you look amazing. And yeah. you're so brave, which I don't think you are brave to have silver hair, but, and can I take your photograph? But so funny <laughs> that that would be the comment. Yes. You know, that's what's so interesting. Yes. Yeah. So, and can we take your photograph? And oh, wow. So, so <laughs> that still happens a lot. It's very strange. So, so someone would just want to take a photograph yes, with you. Yes, I've even had people taking sneaky photographs of me actually in a bar, and you think they're taking a photograph. Well, that of could me. be that could be <laughs> someone sort of going, "Well, that style's cool. Let me yes. try and document it so that yeah. I can kind of remember that." So that maybe justifies the sneaky it's, photo. But <laughs> to want to take a photograph of yeah. you, like you're. Yes. A, you know, yeah. a cast member on a yeah. TV show. Uh, well, and with me. I mean, now, yeah, now sure. as it's progressed, we, okay, we now, take photos now's, together. Now it's different. Now it's different. Now, now you're, a, now you're a celebrity of sorts. <laughs> I don't know. Because no, so, yeah. when we met, um, you were sitting on sort of 20,000 Instagram followers. Yeah. But I mean, it's grown exponentially yes. since. Yeah, it does, okay. does grow. But cut back to this so, time. So... Uh, a, f- a friend said, a couple of friends said to me, why don't you try modeling? And I thought, oh, for goodness sake, you know, I'm just a middle-aged mum, really. Granny, actually. Grandmother, then yeah, even. Yeah. So, um, but I did. One evening, I, I always say that you should never leave a grandmother alone, unsupervised with an internet connection. You just <laughs> never know what's going to happen. And in this case, I sent my photographs off to a local agency. I just Googled the closest yeah. agency, sent my photographs off. She asked me to come in and see her. She's still my agent, actually. And I started getting modeling jobs and some TV commercials and things. And then another friend said, you need to put your photographs on Instagram. And I didn't know what it was. 
I had Facebook. That was 10 years ago now. Mm. Uh, well, not quite 10 years ago. Mm. Um, I was 53 then. I'm 61 now. And I, so, I, so I opened an Instagram account not knowing how it worked. Very puzzled about the hashtags and so on. Sure. So um, I started noting some photographs. and At that point, had you figured out your name? I, Where did the name so, come from? So it's very interesting. My name comes from my previous life, from, from my work life, the company that I worked for. It started about, goodness, about 20 years ago. Okay. So they, everyone called me Deborah Darling at work. I don't know why. I, I, my parking space had Deborah Darling instead of my oh, Deborah really? Chambers. Because <laughs> Chambers is a lovely name. And I was Deborah Darling on the phone list. and Interesting. So it was just an affectionate sort of… yeah. So, I, so darling, when I was looking, <laughs> when I was looking for a domain name for my email, essentially, I just, I, I, I stuck with Deborah Darling, and people love it, and they don't forget it. It's quite interesting, no. you know. If I say I'm Deborah Darling, they will, they, they don't forget it. They're quite fascinated yeah. by it. I've got a friend who's got a, a very uh, lovely Italian name, but he found that once he introduced himself to people by his nickname, which you can't forget, which is just Zam, people remember him, and yes. he's like, people remembered me. Yes. And then, so I, I just stuck with perfect. it. <laughs> so perfect. now I introduce myself by that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So then, so the Instagram, and the Instagram started to grow. I really, I really thought it was a, I, I didn't understand it in the beginning. And when the friend said, start an Instagram account, I, I thought it was just a place to keep my photographs. I really yeah. did. I didn't think it was, I, I didn't understand the power of it. But I started to get followers almost immediately. And women all over the world. Yeah. Um, and only when, I think the first time I sort of realized that something was happening was when um, an Australian magazine contacted me and said, we want to, you know, will you, I ended up writing an article for them, but they, you know, they sort of, mm. um, I had a lot of chats with them and they were, and, and she said to me, you are breaking the stereotypes, the negative stereotypes of aging. You're challenging them. Yeah. You're challenging the stereotypes. And I thought, oh, my goodness, am I? So, so it was never really – it was a bit inadvertent. I, it wasn't really That's a lovely. plan. So it wasn't like you you, no. you went out with a clear plan no, not of what at you all. were going to do. You were no. just kind of found yourself in the right place at the yes, right time. Yes, absolutely. Then I realized that that was the message. Then I realized that women really needed to hear that it's – which has become a bit of a, a line of mine. It's never never too old and it's never never too late. Yeah. So, and that became, you know, then obviously that became the message, and and I sort of grew on that basis, and that's what, and that's, and that's what women need to hear. They just feel so bad about themselves, you know. They start feeling awful about themselves around about the time they turn thirty. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, it's it's it is horrible, and I, and and one thing that that stuck with me was you saying that that women feel like they just sort of disappear mm. into the background. So mm. it's not even like. It's not even like you're sp spoiled milk, you know, like mm. past your spell, mm. your sell by date. It's more just like it was sort of a nothing. Yeah, that was the that was sort of what you what yeah. you said to me, and and that immediately made me think of all the women in my life. It changed the way that yeah. I thought of the world. Yeah, and I and I just loved, yeah, I just loved the fact that yeah, you're not going to go. Not going quietly. Silently into the night or whatever but, that poem yeah, is. Yeah, because we're all the same. You know, all the women that you know in your life, your grannies and so on, they've all been in love. They've all experienced passion. They've yeah. all lost. Yeah. They've, you know, they, we're all the same. Yeah. But, but, we, but our eyes kind of start sliding over people as they get older. No, and there's sort of nothing to stop you from just being in the moment, as you said. Yeah, and I mean, okay. we can, you can have the energy and the, 
and you and be relevant and be attractive and you yeah. know I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye, and so, oh, yes. and so that message comes in sort of with every yes. episode, which is about how you have to be confident and happy with yourself yes. first, yes. and from that 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 makes its way out. Um, I then uh, last year watched the fantastic film. Um, good luck to you, Leo Grant. Yes. With Emma Thompson. <laughs> yes. And I immediately thought of you and I yes. messaged you straight away and I just said, have you watched this movie? Yes. Because I think you should watch it and I think we should discuss it on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> and here we are months later, which is fine because it is now available on Showmax for people to watch. And it is such an exceptional film. Yes. Did you have, do you think you were yes. going to watch it if, if I hadn't recommended it? Um, uh, no, I did. I'd heard about it, but I must say that the trailer doesn't do the film justice. So if, no. if you, if you, the, the, the trailer, did you feel the same? I didn't watch. Yeah. It was strange. I think I'd watched the movie before I'd seen the yes. trailer. So it, it, that changes your perception. Yes. But it's a very simple, very beautiful film. Yes. And the basic back of the box of it is that Emma Thompson is a woman much like many of the people I think you encounter yes. through your social media, which is a woman who um, is in that final chap. The, the, what is what does Jane Fonda call it? Your your third act. Yeah, and um, and she also just feels a little bit lost and feels as if she's missed a lot of her life yes. and has just come out of a relationship. I yeah, think her, her husband, husband died. died. Yeah. where she'd realized that her husband had never really satisfied mm. her, also yeah. sexually. And so the whole film basically takes place over the course of about two or three meetings yes. in a hotel room where she has rather awkwardly at first hired a male escort. Yes. And of course, this guy is an amazing actor yeah. and they have these incredible chats and they they reveal so much about themselves and each other yes. as she wants to um, explore. Yes. And it is an incredibly vulnerable film oh. for not only hers, the character, but Emma Thompson as well. Yes. And she brought so much of her own vulnerability to that role. Absolutely. I was convinced she was going to win Best yes. Actress. But I, there were so many other people and we've long since said that award shows having to give a winner is a bit silly. But she is incredible in that film. Yes, absolutely amazing. It was, yeah, and it's nice to see a woman, an older woman, in a role that reveals herself as being sexual still and yeah. and being sexually active and wanting to be sexually active. it's And wanting it's, to make up for lost time. Uh, yeah. Because it's not too late. Yes. No, <laughs> and that's also the other old. message never, that, that yeah. comes out in Queer Eye yes. as well because sometimes they deal with people that are old and they're like, it's not too late. You still yes. have so much life left in Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Okay, so then you have since become a, a model – is that is that still yeah. stuff that's is mm. it anything as as formal as catwalk stuff? I've done, done one of those only. What were those like? That was that was scary but cool. That was nice. Um, okay. It was a designer in Cape Town, and he used only older models. He uses a lot of older models. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and and we should be, you know, yeah, we well, really it's should. Interesting. Be. <laughs> yeah, it really is exciting and interesting where brands will have like mannequins that are bigger oh, yeah. and that the adverts feature women you know wearing underwear that you know like not everyone's they're got not, a great body they're not victoria's you know? secret no one is yeah, exactly. no one is yeah. and so like it is great for woolworths to have 
you know, all shapes and sizes in their undies yes. for those ads, of you know. Course. And of course, mm. those and with grey hair. Women uh, uh, over 50 have got the like, biggest bike power, I mean, worldwide. Oh, really? Absolutely. They've got a huge, I don't remember the, the number, but it's huge. Um, well, we felt that with our limited edition T-shirt yeah. release. <laughs> yeah. Where all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed and I was like sending to it, all parts of the world. Yeah, I was dealing did. with women in, in Germany and Denmark. And Denmark. And it was yeah. very exciting. Yeah. But interesting that they've got that buying power. Yes, they've got the buying power, but the brands don't – they're a bit slow on the uptake. They're not all – you know, they're still advertising – no face creams to twenty year, with twenty year old models. <laughs> they don't need it. <laughs> they can get sunburned every yeah. day that year, and it's yeah. not going to make a difference. It's, it's changing. It's changing, but um, it's slow. But women, you know, older women want to see want to see themselves in in the you know in the adverts. Yeah, we want to see us wearing that dress. Yeah, you know. No, and and it looking good on those figures yeah. or on those. Those bodies. Yes. Um. So, so in a case like this now, you are going to literally be trying on the clothes in Tel Aviv, bringing them back or uh, no. modeling them. The, 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 the Tel Aviv trip is more of a, like a PR trip. So um, there's normally a couple of influencers that go from different parts of the world, and it's to see the to see the collections, and we spread the word a little bit, and and we do wear the clothes, and because also that's, that's a, another thing is that when you close your eyes and imagine an influencer, you don't necessarily <laughs> imagine a sixty year old woman. I know. <laughs> I know. So how exciting! So funny, funny word, isn't it? I think I'd like to be called an inspirer instead. That's nice. Huh? Yeah, I like that. That's yeah. a lot better. That's... Um, and so, uh, apart from good luck to you, Leo Grand, which we really loved. Um, what other stuff are you watching? What other things are you seeking out? You know, I love what I really love the most and I find it hard to find things I really like because I like a lot of old movies and I can't find them. Yeah. Like, for example, something I was looking for recently was Bread and Tulips. It's an Italian film. I don't know if you know it. No. I love it. But I can't find any of those ever. Some of those are perhaps a little lost. Yes. There there is a another streaming platform that a lot of people don't necessarily know of because it's perhaps the more uh, obscure, somewhat uh, different collection. And it's a, a, a thing called Mubi. Oh. M-U-B-I. Oh. And they're a little bit more art house. So sometimes it's a bit more challenging, mm. but it's a bit more classic as well. Yes. And so perhaps a film like that yeah. would be would be there. What, what's, watched, what's special about what, this film? Oh, did you watch it at some point? Oh, years ago, yeah, years ago, and I and I and I and I absolutely loved it. And I just it was just one that I've thought of now. Um, oh, it's about an older woman who yeah. um, she's on a trip with her family in the in the on a coach trip and due to circumstance, they stop at a garage or something, and she's in the loo or whatever. Um, I think she actually drops her wedding ring down the loo, so she's delayed. And they go off, and the fact nobody even realizes she's not there. The husband, you know, she and the husband are always moaning at each other, and the children who take her for granted. So the coach drives off, and yeah. she thinks to hell with it, and she goes off, and she gets herself a job in, <laughs> in a oh, florist. Lovely. Venice makes it so she says things like she can't deal. You you get flashbacks of how awful the life actually was. It's an Italian film. Yes, and it's called Bread and Tulips. Bread and Tulips. Well, that's obviously the English. Yeah, yeah. But I did watch um, Banshees of Inisherin recently. That's also another one about goodness getting on with life and going. You know what? I need to change my routine. I love I love those kind of movies. I like the movies that um, 
that sort of make me laugh and cry and yeah. <laughs> disturb me. Quite, I don't yeah, know why. It, gets, it gets a bit, it, it's charming in a nice little yes. way. And, and I, I, always, Funny. I always have a meter, which is, would my parents like this movie? Yes. And it starts off very charming oh, yes. in the way in which, a, <laughs> Funny. you know, that the, the, the nice sort of Irish accents are and the beautiful yes. scenery. And then it gets dark. It gets very dark. And at that point, I'm like, oh, so parents, dark. parents won't like this. Yes. <laughs> but, so. but Brendan Gleeson's character is kind of also embodying, funny enough, all the themes we're talking yeah. about, where he's like, I do not want to sit and waste my time yep. talking to Colin Farrell. I want to make yep. art. I want to. I want to. Yep. I want to do big, things. Yep. It's funny how those I, themes are everywhere. Yes. They're all around. Yes, us. I didn't understand when the film started. I couldn't understand the you know, but then as as it progresses, you realise he just was just he'd had enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, a film I really enjoyed recently. If you haven't watched it already, is the the film version of Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh no, I'll have to watch. Did that. you read the book? No, I didn't. A lot of people read the book. It was a phenomenon, um, and um, and it's it's a lovely movie. I think they do a, apparently they do a very faithful adaptation, oh. sort of set in the marshes, the swamps. Yes, I'll have to find it. Um, strong female character mm-hmm. kind of knows what she wants, mm-hmm. is a bit shielded in many ways, and has cut herself off to a lot of the world, but um, also yeah takes action. And has some agency and has some, yeah, also just a great strong female character, which I thought I'll was lovely. I'll have a look for that. Holds you, holds you right to the end. Oh, great. No, it's, I thought it was good. Ah. Um, what else have you enjoyed? Is there anything else that you... I, you know, I don't watch a lot. I'm trying to think now, scrabbling around are, are you in reading my mind. More? Um, um, am I reading more? I, I read... I. Dip in and out of books. I just read Blink, which was interesting. Have you read that, Malcolm? Oh, Malcolm Gladwell. Gladwell yeah. Oh, yeah. But I dip in and out of books. I don't read as much as I should or watch as much as I should. I don't know. Life uh, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed Malcolm Gladwell stuff. Mm. And if have you read the others? I haven't. Okay. So Blink, yeah, Blink is interesting. Blink was about how we make uh, such split Quick, split-second decisions. Instinctual. And instinctual decisions. But the one that really stuck with me was a book called Outliers. Okay. Which I think you'd also find interesting, and perhaps it also relates a little bit more to our chat as a whole, which is about um, the history of famous people Uh and how they have effectively, the big takeout, which has been a coined term now since the book, um, is how everyone... All these sort of experts in their field have effectively put in somewhere around ten thousand hours more time than the others. Yes. And how, and how, when you look at these case studies of these people, they didn't just get famous overnight. Yes. And it's perhaps, you know, a good example of something like the Beatles before they went back to Liverpool and played in the Cavern and became this famous band. They were playing in strip clubs yes. in Hamburg. Yes where they had to play for six hours a night, nonstop. And yep. So they became so tight, yes. so together. They wrote so many songs. Yes. Michael Schumacher was raising go-karts at four. Yes. So you read that book and sometimes it can feel a little disheartening because you're like, what did I do? Where, <laughs> where am I 10,000 hours? But then you realize that you you've actually have been yeah. doing it inadvertently yeah, your whole you time. Yeah, you're doing your hours. From the moment you had your parking bay named <laughs> to when you started putting your hair up more and more mm. and it started growing more and mm. more. You were you were crafting this yeah. identity whether you kind of knew it or not and mm. you were all being 
built up to this moment. Yeah, and I mean, it's taken me years to to really. Um, I mean, it has it hasn't been overnight. I've I spent a Never lot is. of time on social media. I spent a lot of time talking to people, kind of almost mentoring women in a way, answering messages and encouraging them, and so on. So, lots of work. What, I do yeah. lots of work, which is not. Perhaps just speak on that. What are what are some of those moments? Oh, I mean, what I, have they meant I to get, you? I get, I, the thing that's so lovely is that I get so many people have done the hairstyle. Yeah, lovely. The Deborah do. Is um, that what you call it? <laughs> lovely. Yeah. And I get I get photographs every week from women with all sorts of colour, pink and blue and different colour and silver hair in my style. Yeah. Um, they send me their photos, which is a great honour, you know, that they share, share yeah. that with me. Um but a lot of, I mean, I get heartfelt messages from women just talking about how bad they were feeling about themselves and things that have happened to them and disappointments and that and that I've given them a little bit of hope. And that's just such a such a wonderful thing to yeah. to to think that you made a, a little bit of a change in their life. You know, either they moved jobs or cut their hair or started dancing again or. Yeah. You know something beautiful, and and that they write to to thank me for that is, wow. I mean, that's yeah. What can be better than that? Does it ever feel overwhelming the amount of of people like? Um, do, I'm do still like keeping. Just, I'm still keeping track of it. I answer all my messages still. Um, really, really? Yeah, I, I answer uh, everything and, and all my comments. I, I do read every single one of them, and there can be thousands. Yeah, um, say, so it's a lot that, of work. That, that feeling could feel. It, it 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 could then become overwhelming. Yeah, it's 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 a lot to keep on top of, but I'm managing still. Um, every time I get another ten thousand, I sort of say to my boyfriend, "Oh goodness, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to." And people say, "Get someone to do it for you," but I would never do that. I, I can't, you know, to have someone answer your messages. That's then becomes my, that then becomes me. tricky. Yeah, it's me. They're talking to me. I have to answer them. And if people are taking the time to write to me, I have to write back. Yeah, I feel quite strongly about that. So it does take a lot of time. <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, I mean, immediately as you're starting to think about it, immediately I was like, C you know, could one make a, you know, could you make a TV show? Not not to not to capitalize, but to sort of just amplify your message. But then mm -hmm. you also wonder whether or not that just could mm -hmm. take it to a level that becomes impersonal. It's it's actually kind of cool that it that it's just this simple platform where it's a message and it's a response yes there is, there is something kind of yeah. quite amazing about and, that and it's interesting it's because women all over the world so it's really i've got a big following in brazil um oh, which is interesting because i think you know some countries are more um the women are more accepting of plastic surgery and and so on and i and i thought that brazil was one of those but anyway i have a big and i, I mean i talk a lot about not not doing that stuff oh so you you speak that that one necessarily shouldn't. No, just that I don't. Yeah, and I, and I don't, and I don't. That my wrinkles are fine. Yeah, you know, they're my story. They're my yeah. they're my history. I'm not found, taking them away. I found it interesting. Maybe you can fact check me, but the the understanding was that someone like Sharon Stone said she'd never get. Did that was that right? Uh, a lot of them. I, I don't know about Sharon Stone. I'm, but I'm I just remember reading hers. that where she was like, yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm going to age gracefully. Yeah, and some of, some of them have done started out and then stopped. And some have um, taken the fillers out, like so, Courtney yeah, Cox has yeah, taken them out. Yeah. The, the problem is we can't win, can we, women? You know, everyone's on it about Madonna looking looking so different. Yeah. But you can't win. If she'd have aged naturally, she would have, you know, 
she would have been at yeah. the receiving end of criticism as well. So you, we actually, it's a, it's a problem. We can't win. <laughs> um, I, I'd, I'd want to mention something, but I would hate it to feel too um, controversial. So I don't really necessarily mean it in, in, in too much of a nasty way. But when one speaks of this pressure, how much do you think is from men and how much of that pressure could also be from other women. Yeah, it's from women as well. It's a lot from, I mean, the, 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 when I get people hating on me, which sometimes does happen, it's mostly women. Because I've, I've as, a, as a, I'd like to believe an innocent bystander who watches these things, who understands these things, like I've often thought or at least made the comment like, a lot of that, a lot of that is 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 woman on woman. Yeah. A lot of that pressure that yeah. that you feel, and and that's not great. No, but we've internalized it. You know, we, lots from men. So, yeah. like, of course, I'm oh, not. Yes. La- you know, oh, I'm not yes. saying anyone's out. But I, 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 you know, you you gave me that great nugget that day. We had a coffee at Four Nose. I remember where you were mm. explaining this to me, mm. and you'd opened up this <laughs> this feeling, which is which is that you know, there's a whole you know, billions of women that reach the certain age feel they are lost. And that also just changed the way I looked at everything. As I said, my mom, my sister, everyone. Another lovely nugget about understanding women that I got, which I'd love to share mm-hmm. <laughs> for those who perhaps need to hear this as well, was also that um, when someone is presenting themselves nice, a woman is going out on a night out on a pie chart who is she dressing up for? Mm. And at that point, I was sort of 20 odd. I would have taken a stab to say the biggest chunk of that was going to be for the opposite sex or the, the, the partner she's looking to try and attract. But I was shocked and amazed and loved the fact that that was the least of it. Mm. That out of a pie chart, um, a big chunk is yourself yes. and your own confidence. Yes. A huge chunk, which I never thought was a thing, was other women yes. to look good in front of other women. Not necessarily as a mean way to upstage, but also just to, you know, yeah. I thought that was interesting. And then perhaps the smaller chunk was, you know, if someone who I'm trying to attract finds me attractive. Mm. I thought that was so interesting. That yeah. blew my mind. It is. I loved hearing that. Yeah, it is interesting. I think that we, I, I think that I, well, I dress up for myself and, and and because it speaks of who I am, yeah, that's it's it's this it's how else do you tell the world who you are? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no. But I think the other thing is that it's it's clearly just comes so naturally to you, where you can wear like the clothes that you are wearing obviously look great on you and are very elegant, but are of a artistic, stylish nature, which others might feel they can't necessarily pull off, but you pull off because it's a confidence. Mm. We've 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 said this in other episodes with other chats where even someone trying to be funny, it's all about confidence. Mm. Someone's trying to be sexy, or, yes. you know, pull yes. off a cheesy line. Yes, it's all about it's all about confidence. Yes. And so the same goes for some clothes. Where I've often yes. um, there's a lovely store in Forty Four Stanley that have got this amazing sort of denim jacket that's almost looks a little bit like a. Asian style kind of karate jacket almost. It's cool for a dude. Ah. And (laughs) my first comment to the dude was, I wish I could pull this off. (laughs) 
maybe I could. But in my head, I couldn't. In my head, I was like, yeah. no, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not that it, guy. It is something that women, you know, said, I wish I had your confidence. But And I always tell them, just do one small thing. Yeah. Just do one small thing. And it, you know, people are going to criticize you anyway. Yeah. People are going to have something to say about you anyway. So if you want to wear a big bunch of grapes as earrings, you know, we'll start there. Put put a big pair of earrings on. Or yeah, the going back to queer eye. <laughs> Funny how seminal this 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 show has been in my life recently. But yeah, they also just say like in the mirror, you you literally tell yourself out loud, "I'm worthy." Mm. You know, or I mm. I'm I'm deserving of mm. this. And they're clothes. You know, they and, are clothes. And you, but you've got to program. To yeah. You've got to program your brain, yes. which I thought was really interesting. You know, it's the same as going to this chiropractor and he's telling you how to – he understands how for posture, you know, you're, you're not just going to solve your posture overnight. Like mm. you have to rewire your brain. Mm. And that's on a muscular scientific yes. level. But the same goes for yes. confidence. Yes. You've got to rewire the yeah. synapses or whatever yeah. to tell yourself I'm I'm worthy of yeah. yes so you leave soon you're going for about for about for end of June end of June. a few weeks yeah okay. then after it, after my little Tel Aviv stint I'm going to England for a little while okay. see some friends and some family oh, hoping yeah. to pop over the channel and go to a couple of maybe maybe Italy I don't know I'll see <laughs> I'm playing it by ear I don't have a proper plan yet Hoping to be able to work a little bit while I'm there because I know I'm, I make content for brands, so I do. I can hopefully I can do that wherever I am. So hopefully yeah. get, get some work. Yeah, and, and then you, and just you wing could it. Probably you could probably pick it up as you go. Mm. And I work. I do. I'm working with a, a agent now for a brand. They're based in London, so they send me things from London. So I could possibly. Okay. So let's hope. <laughs> and and what was that? What is that brand? Is it mostly clothes or no, is it that's makeup? A beauty. That's beauty a beauty brand. Stuff? Yeah, skincare. Lovely. I guess it's also the other tricky thing is to also make sure you're making the right decisions. Oh, I turn a lot of work away because of the, the strong anti-aging messages. If they offer me, a, you know, if they offer me a product um, that's a- aimed only at, at anti-aging, at taking wrinkles away or whatever, I was offered one recently for a neck cream, and the, the whole thing is, you know, before and after and how much it reduces your wrinkles on your neck. And I don't think we need to reduce the wrinkles on our neck <laughs> because that's our neck. <laughs> so I don't, I won't do that. But I, but I do work um, for for beauty brand because I've, I know I'm I'm happy to promote them. I want my skin to look to look well and to look hydrated and to look healthy and to look vibrant. And um, but I don't need it not to have wrinkles. So it's a bit of a fine line. That's a very it's a it's very a fine nuanced line. line. <laughs> it's a fine line, but I have to. I mean, that's my job. Um, yeah, it is a fine line, but I do, I do turn. So, um, what would a lot that message need to be? Because obviously, so much of it is someone still wanting to look. Yeah, um, I well, my you know my message is that it's that my skin feels great and it's and it's hydrate. If it is, obviously, I have to use the product first. But I never talk about my wrinkles being reduced. Okay, but um, but, but with good hydration, will come you feeling good your skin looking good yeah. so that even if wrinkles are there yeah you it's, you you still look great it's not about chasing you yeah. yeah it's and one of my hashtags is looking good not younger you know because why yeah. why can we not look good with wrinkles why yeah. we, they don't have to not be there i'm starting to get gray hairs in my beard aren't you lucky <laughs> you're one of the lucky ones well i this is the what's so funny is that i'm here in my like it started probably about my mid-30s i'm now in my late 30s 
and and people like my dad, for example, would make a joke like, "Oh, like it's a bad thing," and I was like, "It's awesome." I was like, I Thank love you. it. I'm, I'm, this is this is the silly thing about, you know, yeah. um, males aging is that I've got plenty of role models to look up to, yes. you know. I, so immediately I made a joke. I said, oh, I'm like George Clooney. Yeah, like, exactly. Of course I look fucking nothing exactly. like George Clooney, but my gray, my gray yeah. and my beard, I think looks awesome yeah. where that would be the fear. Yes. Um, you know, with and others. all those jokes. I mean, even your dad. You know, oh, you're getting old now. I mean, we've got to stop that, haven't we? We've got to yeah. reframe that nonsense. Yeah, it's lovely. Oh, Deb, we could talk about this for ages, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I think if I can help you rent something, I think the where the crawdads sing. Right. Was where a, do I was, find was it? Was a lovely thing. It's on Netflix. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Nice and, nice and easy. I will watch it and I will let you know. Yeah. And I will get that other book on. My Kindle. Yeah, and I'll outliers. read it on the plane. Outliers. outliers. I will. They're, they're all. They're all great. He he was most famous for uh, the Tipping Point, which was yes. also an interesting book. Yes. Which also, once that was when he first sort of coined a term, which which then became a sort of a zeitgeisty term. Mm. The outliers and and ten thousand hours has also become a term. Um, and then talking to strangers is also really interesting. Yeah. Which I... is about how we judge each other. Yes. Um, in subconsciously in these moments with strangers and yes. how we bring so much of that yes. into our interactions with people. It's fascinating stuff. No, Milton Gladwell's... Can't wait to read some more. It's lovely. Okay, so I helped you with a book. Thank you. <laughs> I helped you with a book. And, and you're going to watch Bread and Tulips maybe. I'm going to watch Bread and Tulips. I have it on DVD. I don't know if you could possibly manage to watch that. Yeah, we'll scope it out. Some of these things can be available through iTunes sometimes. Mm. And Amazon in South Africa also does this kind of pay-per-view Yes. Um, things, but but maybe through the Italian um, yeah. cultural institute we can try and find one. it. Talk oh. to her, Spanish, Pedro Almodovar. Oh, yes. Love his his stuff's dog. amazing, and he's long <laughs> since been um, applauded for being able to write for women. Oh, I've I, I remember hearing that from the beginning that yes. Almodovar, you know, being the sp yeah. Spanish male. Yes. Um, people always have always said he writes the most incredible yeah. female dialogue. Yeah. So he's obviously like just tuned in yes. or very present or yes. aware of the woman in his life and just gets it. Yeah. Which I always thought so, was quite yeah. interesting. Also, Who was in Talk to Her? Um, oh, goodness. I don't know. Penelope I, Cruz no, is often no, no. in a lot of his films. I don't – she was not the main – one of the main actors for sure. Um, and I haven't watched it for a while, but it's also very dark yeah. and very no. interesting. But thought-provoking, as mm. they always are. Okay, here you are <laughs> helping me rent things, which I appreciate. Um, but listen, thank you for your time. Thank and you. thanks for, yeah, as I've said, thank you for just helping me understand the world a bit better. Oh, well, thank and just you. What a lovely Having, having lovely empathy confidence. and having understanding. And, you know, perhaps someone like my mom necessarily doesn't, she's never wanted to, to have too much of a fuss made about her. Yeah. So she wouldn't really ever do her hair too too stylized and that's not even an age thing but it's just recognizing that you know you must never have those people in your life feel lost or yes. forgotten or yes. a wallflower and sort of still treat them with with also yeah just all the love that you you have you yeah. know and respect and their opinion counts we start discounting older people's opinions quite quickly i think yet so many of them rule countries yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No, it's 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 lovely to to yeah. And I've also had such a great relationship with my grandparents. And so I've always got such a 
big place in my heart for people mm. that have just got decades of experience. Yes. Yeah, some things you have some to things live are timeless, the li- You have you know, to live the life to know maybe the you stuff. Don't, maybe you don't know the mechanics of TikTok, but yes. you know, some things are just timeless. Yes, you know? I do, and I'm a granny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it could all be learned. It's lovely. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for popping in. Thanks so much. And good luck with your trip, and we will see you soon. Yes, lovely. Thanks, Russell. Cheers. <laughs> All right, what a lovely chat and what a lovely, lovely person. I'm so grateful that I get to call her a friend. And I really think yeah, she's just opened up a whole nother way of looking at the world for me. Wow. Especially as I start looking down the road that is old age. <laughs> <laughs> You're in I'm your late thirties. <laughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm looking down the road. Right. Yeah, I'm not I'm not down there, but you know, my knees get sore in the cold. I mean, this is... I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wake never up with have, tension headaches. And they never have before. Yeah. But they're getting sore now, God. Right. Yeah. It does happen like when you hit 30 and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this, I'm old now. Because you have <laughs> this thing when you're in your 20s and you're like, oh my God, when I'm 30, it's so far away. Yeah. And then it finally happens and then you have to just remember. And then you talk to older people and they're like, no, you're young. And yeah, they don't yeah. stop saying that. Yeah. They haven't stopped saying that yet. So... Um, I don't know when that's going to Because they're always older than you. <laughs> so you're always going to be young to them. <laughs> that's Thank, you. Thank you for rooting that in in, uh, in that. Um, when I was on, on holiday with my family now in December, there was, there was like a group of kids that were sort of the 20-year-old, 20, 20 not 30, 20-year-old kids, maybe even 18. And um, yeah, it sort of dawned on me when I was kind of, just looking out over the sort of dining hall of this of this family resort, where I was like, oh, I'm I'm not one of the kids anymore. <laughs> yeah, because I had been my whole life. Yeah, and I'd always been one of the youthful half of this congregation. You mm-hmm. know, this big um, classic um, family. You know, like kind of dirty dancing kind of uh, resort. <laughs> never seen big, it. You've never seen dirty dancing. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, so like a big family resort where there's tennis courts and you okay. can horse ride and you can do all these things. Like it's called Cathedral Mrs. Peak. It, it literally almost even looks like the Dirty Dancing. Okay. The only reference hotel. I have in my head that like I'm vaguely getting is Mrs. Doubtfire, where she throws the orange at Pierce Brosnan. Oh, uh, right. I don't know if that's like because it has a swimming pool and they're all going there and it's like resorts. This is more like yes. mount, mountain-y, misty, misty mountain resort. Okay. Right. Like The Shining. No, but I'm joking. It was shine, the shi- no, exactly oh, like The Shining, really? but in its peak, not when there's just oh, okay. one guy paid right. to look after it when okay. no one's there. Cool. Okay. But speaking of getting old, yeah. old Tom Cruise, eh? Right. Still got it. I can't believe he's my dad's age. Yeah. Apparently, like, me out. apparently they, they didn't go with too much de-aging of Tom Cruise because they mm-hmm. said it would distract people. I love that decision. Right. I also saw that. But he is aging like a fine wine. So yeah. I don't think it's too needed mm. maybe maybe he was a little de-aged I don't know maybe they just said because that. it was all in but silhouettes he's, but he's looking shot. he's looking good though yeah no he looks great some of the shots like when I've seen and it's clearly like the effect of the lens and uh, an entire makeup department that you spend millions on yeah but when you've seen the videos now at the premiere with him and Chris McQuarrie going around doing a lot of promotion obviously before the strike right um, the shots of Tom, like from an unflattering angle with unflattering lights, uh, you're just like, okay, you start seeing the jowls, and yeah. but then even so, like in the movie, like you get a hint of it, mm. but he still very much looks like Ethan Hunt. Yeah, you feel like you're watching 
something after Ghost Protocol or mm. Rogue Nation. You but know. this, once again, feeds into what we were talking about with Deborah Darling, where like it is okay for Tom Cruise to get old. Yeah. We kind of don't give a shit. No. And if anything, they'll just change the narrative to more of like an old man Logan kind of approach yeah. where it'll be like, oh, he's getting on. Like Harrison Ford. Oh, he's getting on as yeah. Indiana Jones. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> but there's a reason why when the Top Gun Maverick rolls around, nobody calls up Kelly McGillis and goes like, hey, <laughs> do you want to be in the reboot? <laughs> They're going to hire someone that looks like a lot younger. Yeah. Which is old. What's her face? The dark head woman. Yes. Yeah, Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Well, Tom Cruise did say this week, just speaking about Harrison Ford, with Indiana Jones coming out, he was like, that guy's 81. I still want to be making a Mission Possible movies when I'm in my 80s. Yeah. So like, and if anyone's going to do it, <laughs> it's going to be Tom Cruise. He will go to space. I'm He'll worried. outlive us all. <laughs> yeah. If he doesn't die doing the next stunt. Yes. Which would just be insane. Yeah. I saw a list of the 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 body parts that he's broken. Oh, it's a fractured ankle and a broken ankle from Fallout Gosh. in that shot that they kept. Yes. When, he, when he jumps from the one rooftop yeah. to the other one. Yeah. Just while that he carried on running because yes. he's Tom fucking Cruise and then he's broken a rib and something else. Right. You know, so, it's wild. So yeah, so we watched Dead Reckoning Part 1 mm-hmm. last night as a, as, as a group of chums. Um, some parts of it were shot in in South Africa. I think the yes. n- pa- I think parts of the next one. Are parts shot. of part two. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When they're in Blyde River Canyon. Yeah. 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 Because we we know that he came to South Africa recently to shoot. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense that mm. that they that that that's going to be in the next one. Because I was looking out for what could be um, South Africa, but it was uh, unmistakably Italy. Yeah. <laughs> and unmistakably Venice. The, the same fucking shots as Fast and the Furious. Yeah, the same staircase. What is that called? Do you it guys is, know? Yes. I've walked it. It is called the Roman Steps. Okay. Okay. Double check me. Uh, it's the Spanish Steps. Yeah, it's one of those it's one of those touristy things that yeah. are kind of famous for being famous. Yeah. They are they are lovely steps and of course they're beautiful. They're very accessible for people to walk yeah, up I've and just down. Seen them get destroyed in some movies this year. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. similar things. So so yeah, so Fast and the Furious, the tenth one came out this year. Mm. And and of course now we're talking about a Mission Impossible Seven. Seven. And both have these elaborate, crazy action sequences in yes. Rome. One is better than the other. Yeah. For you. Yeah, the Mission Impossible Mission, one was way better. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, I think what I would love to chat about a bit now is just how Mission Impossible can do something very similar to Fast and the Furious. Mm. It can be very similar to James Bond. Yeah. Um, and it can tow this weird line between a little bit preposterous but not... Yes. It roots itself mm. more in seriousness. And I think that's been its success. But it is a bit preposterous. Yeah. And it's just, how does it fit amongst all these others? Mm. How does it fit for you guys? I Do you take it seriously? Because Fast oh, and yeah. the Furious, and in our chat about Fast and the Furious, we're like, it's so dumb. But yeah. you like lean in and enjoy the yes. dumbness of it. Yes. And it's interesting. I think that looking at Vin Diesel in the glaring shot, like, I don't know. Like think about the rock with his oiled biceps in the, in these movies and Vin looking out sternly across the horizon. Like you don't believe Vin yeah. when he does that for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Right. There's something like very campy about it that's it's it's that thing of we know what's happening, he doesn't. Like he thinks he's making the godfather. Yes. Right? 
we there's have... An, there's an artificiality to it. That's a great way. That you don't yeah. get with Mission Impossible, even though they're, they're kind of almost equally preposterous. Yes. I think because Mission Impossible is inherently less, like, cartoonish and the actors aren't so, like, driven by ego, that is a huge po- problem with the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah. Whereas, like, Tom Cruise will lose a fight. Yes. You know? Like Tom Mission, like Ethan Hunt's superpower, he has two superpowers. Yeah. Unbelievable competence. Yes. And luck. Yeah. He's incredibly lucky. Mm. And because they've done that throughout the entire franchise, you kind of just go, oh, that's just part of who he is. Yes. You know, you're not going, oh, like that's stupid. He wouldn't have like done that or survived exactly. that or whatever. You just buy it because he's Ethan Hunt. Mm. Mm. And then I think also what it does is it leans into the things we've learned from Indiana Jones and excuse my knowledge of cinema history, but I don't know if anyone did it before that, mm. but the idea that comedy can be injected into action sequences yeah. where the character's out of their depth. So mm. Ethan Hunt, like you said, is competent and lucky. Yeah. So we don't question but whether or not he's going to make it. But not as lucky as Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, no ways. <laughs> not he, as lucky. He's, he's bumbling, as you said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, but then over on the other scale with James Bond, he's very serious. Or at least the Daniel Craig James Bond. Mm. Yeah. So that's rooted in far more serious stakes and exactly. far more serious consequences. But think about how hilarious. Right? Is that where you, yeah. so do you kind of see Mission Impossible as being a contrast somewhere between the two? Yeah. Mm. And then think about what was happening in the Venice car chase sequence. Yeah. Which, by the way, is like better than any car chase sequence put into Fast and the Furious, maybe? <gasps> which blows my mind. Yeah. Like the entire series is hinged around the cars, cars and heights yes. and Mission Impossible did both of those things better yeah. which is wild I just like had that thought but it's hilarious because that woman is driving the thief mm. right and Tom is like you see Ethan had alongside her like freaking out telling her what to do accelerate yes. you know and then that like little cute little dinky European little car Fiat. yeah mm. like that old Fiat yeah um, yeah and again it's not as preposterous as a big circular bomb bounding down the Roman steps. Yes. <laughs> can I can I take a little interesting tangent for a sec? Yeah. So in Mission Impossible when they need to find a car, he's got this cool spy app thing that yeah. finds him a car in yeah. in Venice just fucking perch on. Yes. But that's how it works. And they could take this car and use it. Mm. It's just parked in amongst everywhere else. Japan has that for citizens. Uh, okay so when we were in japan as short straw and we needed to get a a a car to the airport you could take taxis you could take the train you could take all these things Mm. or you could like micro hire a car right so this friend of mine had an app and it would go cool go to this parking lot on this level on this thing and there will be a car Hmm. and it's got a device that if you pay and your rating's good or whatever whatever it'll It'll unlock the front door right. and the key for the car will be in the cubby hole and you can use the car and you can then leave it wherever. Right. That is wow, so eh? And so we just we just went to this parking lot and got ourselves a car and hired it to go to the airport and she then drove it back and parked it somewhere. That would last about 15 seconds in South Africa. I know, I know totally. <laughs> it's the same as the second coolest thing in Japan that we did car related. Yeah. Which was, um, we, and I think this is one of the coolest things I've ever done in my whole life, was that we dressed up as Mario characters and got on go-karts and drove down the streets of Tokyo. Right. What? <laughs> we, we like recreated Mario Legally, karts. it's not like you Legally, were doing... All we needed okay. was an international driver's license. Right. Apparently, they're not doing it as much anymore. Uh, but if there was ever a city where you could 
get in a somewhat flimsy little go-kart and drive down the actual fucking streets, yeah. it could be Tokyo because right. they all are such good law-abiding citizens. Wow. You would die in Choburg. <laughs> yes. yeah. Like a taxi would not even see you because <laughs> right. you are so small on the ground. Yeah. But it was such a cool way to see the city. Nice. That is amazing. Um, another thing about transport, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> was that in one part of Mission Impossible, they go on the gondola just to get to the club. Yes. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool that you can only access it through gondola. Mm. And I leaned, who did I lean to? Me. I leaned to Carl and I was like, gondolas in Venice are so preposterously expensive. Oh, like, not even for funsies were yes. we contemplating it in Venice. <laughs> it was something like, and this was quite a while ago. This was about f- almost 10 years ago. It was like 200 euros for half an hour. Jeebus. Or something. So that's like, what's that? 4,000 rand? Something I can't like fathom that. that. I can't fathom yeah, like how that's half an hour to be rowed in a boat yes. in like smelly water. <laughs> no, it was very interesting. <laughs> And and um, at the time we were still in Mabuneng, um, and Mabuneng had this like sort of uh, refuse water sloot that was accessible um, between buildings. And we, myself and Daryl, the guy I started the bioscope with, made a joke that we were going to put a gondola in the <laughs> in that, like shitty little like stormwater canal and charge people two hundred like euros to go from the one side to the other side. Um, no, the only people that can afford that must be the people who have like their yachts moored in Monaco, yeah. and they go to Venice, yeah. and then take no, totally like yeah. we two hundred euro gondola ride to go to a like an European underground just transport. Do it, do it for fun. Yeah, we when we were in this the ski town in Austria, Kitzbühel, the whole all the streets were just parked, were lined up with um, Porsche Cayennes, like. The, 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 all the all the roads had these cars parked on them, mm. and you know that's not their main car. Yeah, like, you know that's their like holiday car for the <laughs> fucking Europeans that are coming to this mountain town. Let's see. Um, but anyway, just to go back to Mission Impossible, I thought yeah. it was very interesting that it presented itself like a big fucking TV episode because mm-hmm. it was based on a TV a show. TV show. Yeah. So it has this little intro, and then it has a very revealing. Um, title sequence yeah. where Which you actually see parts of the movie you see the well, entire movie in, they do that in all of them yeah. you see I didn't remember that happening mm. so I thought that was kind of interesting I was like wait because I was like I want to see if like they kept doing it because they've done it in all the previous films and it's quite a while before they get to it in this one and I was, so trying, I was, like, to, like, okay, cool. I was trying so hard to pay attention mm. while it was happening because it's like okay what's going to happen where they're going to yeah. be because when I rewatched Seven I was recognizing all the parts from it because mm. obviously I'd seen the movie before yes and now I was trying to see if it was going to spoil anything for me. Uh, and then I forgot about it like 10 minutes later. Yes. Yeah, I you found know? it yeah. weird. Just yeah. to be objective. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember them doing it in other ones. And okay. I was like, this is kind of weird. It feels like, it feels like a TV show. Yeah. No, they've done yeah. it in all of them. Okay. Yeah. It's like tradition now. It's awesome. So for yeah. you guys, it delivered, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. everything you wanted it to be. Yeah. I, I think that the only problem was that it being a part one. Mm. I think in terms of pacing, like what was happening there plot-wise and in terms of us getting to the entity yes. um which by the way i realize we never do this for what? some reason with when talking about new movies we never back of the box these things yeah oh. so we should I do would, that literally as you said the word the entity i thought yes. let people me, want let to know what that is something. yeah um okay so perhaps chime in if i'm getting this wrong but the idea is that um we are up against the a bad person but that what's interesting about this bad person and this thing 
that has got this power mm. to uh, control and take over the world. Um, our bad villain is is an AI. Yeah. And I think that's super cool. I think that's really interesting. Mm. So so we've got this villain, which could kind of be anywhere and everywhere. And it's got to be unlocked. And there's one sort of more manual way of of stopping it. And our man on the ground, good old Ethan Hunt, is now having to kind of figure this out yes. and find l- the literal key yeah. for this for this AI source code. And everyone in the world wants it, but Ethan Hunt is the only person in the world who's going to do the right thing with it. Exactly. Which is very Mission Impossible. Very Mission Impossible. Yeah. It's like, did, I, did I back of the box it right? Kinda. I don't think that. I think yeah, that. Okay. Like, Ethan Hunt's given a mission, which he accepts, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, an impossible mission. An impossible mission. But yeah, it's interesting. Something I've noticed in these films, and this one especially, is that it really kind of poses it as governments are all evil. Agencies mm. are all evil. The IMF are like the only good ones in the whole world. Yeah. And especially this little team of Ethan Hunt's like little, little group of people. Everyone else is out for the, the worst possible outcome, That's except true. for these people. Yeah, because the idea is that whoever can can unlock and control this thing. Mm. But that's also the, the, this entity. They call it the entity, which yeah. is this AI that's become... Self-aware artificial that, that's become yeah. That's become sentient. If you if you were to be a part of it or control it or work with it, you, mm. you have this... You have the power. Yeah. But what's interesting is that it's it's gone so rogue itself that if anyone were to even find... I guess your source code, all you could do was destroy it. Yeah. So you've just got the power to destroy it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but when you they got, were talking you about you, using it, so I was like, you don't really how? have you mm. don't really have power to control it because it seems like this thing has kind of become its own boss. Mm. Yeah, I don't believe for a second that if someone got a hold of those keys, yeah, um, which Ethan Hunt has to do, by the way, like a little bit more back of the box character yeah. there, is that the key splits into two. The key that unlocks the machine, which is like the source code of this AI, uh, split into two parts, and they're trying to find both halves. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when they were saying that, like, if I get the key, I can control the answer. But no. Mm. Like, but? Well, I suppose, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they'll get into it more in the next one. But I think the idea is the key will somehow give you access to the source code. Yes. Which then you can alter to take control of it. Oh, uh, that I makes guess. sense. I guess. That yes. would be my, my assumption there. then it's going to be self-aware and change its source code back. Like, well, oh, yeah. I, uh, I find it very interesting that you read these articles about AI and AI learning mm-hmm. and how when some of these things have been left alone, like apparently they become racist in about like 20 minutes. Yeah. Because uh, they're learning from the internet. Because <laughs> they're yeah. learning from the internet. Wow. It'd be so funny, like the, this idea that we now have this villain. Oh, the entity. And the villain is, is is this intangible piece of, you know, technology that just mm. sort of is embedded in the whole world. And it'd just be so funny if it was just this like racist incel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to murder Luther first. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Luther is um, Vic, Vic Rames. Rames. Vic Rames. I said Vic Rames. Marcellus uh, uh, Wallace. The black dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was cool. He, he, I found him uh, interesting in the movie. Every time he spoke, he, he was clearly like the, ex, what's the exposition character. Mm. Every time he spoke, he was like, I'm here to help the audience. Mm. Yeah. But if you do that, Ethan, yeah. you will die or mm. this will happen and this will happen. You're like, thanks, mm. Luther. <laughs> it's, there is a lot of that in this movie. It's like, every time he opens his mouth, he's specifically designed to help the plot. Yeah. yeah. 
It's fun watching all of them in a row and seeing how that like friendship is just built on a little bit in each movie. Yes. Ethan is like, he's basically Ethan Hunt's only like actual friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And the one that talks very plainly to him. Yes. Like he has a lot more of a, I think an emotional role in the previous film, especially mm. uh, with uh, uh, Catherine Ferguson. Is that her name? Oh, Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca, Rebecca Ferguson. Ferguson. Yeah. Catherine Ferguson is her mother in another dimension. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rebecca Ferguson. Where uh, he was saying that Ethan cares about you. Mm. Don't go on this mission. But, yes. Because you know, then he has two things to worry about. Yeah. Aside from the nuclear bomb. Speaking of Rebecca Ferguson, I imagine her face as I trudge through the reading of Dune. Are you still reading oh, yeah. Dune? Yes. I've now finished part one. Well okay. done. Yeah. So I can so clearly up. I can clearly see the point where roughly where the movie is yes. as well. Mm. I can see where the movie took a little bit from part two because there's a bunch of scenes that haven't happened yet. Mm-hmm. But basically the famous sci-fi novel Dune, yeah. I'm busy reading it so that I can, for the first time in my life, watch a big budget adaptation yeah. and um, have read the book first. Oh, That's right. never happened. Mm, wild. <laughs> I never read the Harry Potter books. I never read Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you have until November to finish. I've got until November, yeah. Yeah, where well, part two comes out. Before Lord of the Rings came out... A friend of mine handed me the book and said, read this in two weeks. And I was like, no, because <laughs> it's like this big. He's like, oh, no, it's like three books in one. You just need to read the first third. I was like, oh, thank God. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. What's up with action movies and deep underground European trans bodies? Because <laughs> they're in all the John Wick movies. Yes. <laughs> and it was one in the last Mission Impossible movie as well in Paris. Now we're in one in Venice. Yeah. John Wick, I don't know where they were because they go all over the place yes. in that movie. And, and, who, and who are the other people that go to them? <laughs> yeah. Like we know why Ethan Hunt is there. Because yes. he's going to meet a buyer to get the key to unlock the entity. But all the other dudes, like how do they get an invite? <laughs> how do they crack the invite? And why? Yeah. Like in the last one. Um, good old. Um, I know why all the women would be there because often in these kind of parties. That's sexist, Russell. No, no. <laughs> let me explain. Okay. In these kind of parties, especially when you want it to look cool, often wealthy people or agencies will hire models. Right. Uh, and, and, and how models can get extra money on the weekend is to just be at parties. Right. And they yeah. have to look sexy and dance and have a great time. Yes. It buffs up something like this cool underground. Right. Party. Oh, yes. So, okay, that makes sense. But I can't explain all the guys in that party. <laughs> <laughs> um, like in the last one, when they're going to meet the White Widow, mm. I can never remember that actress's name from The Crown, Princess yeah. Margaret. Um, why is she having a fundraiser in a trans party? Because they're like, this is a fundraising event. And that's why they're going to meet this uh, fundraising event in a trans party. Well, I suppose it's in like a room at the back. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> the trans party is like the distraction. It's like a big, loud... It's oh, a big, loud, like, public-facing oh, thing. Because they, they framed her as being a philanthropist by day mm. and like moonlighting as an arms dealer at night yes. kind of thing. But then, which was she doing here? Probably yeah. the arms dealing. I know, yeah. but they made it sound like it was her philanthropy. Right. Like doing something above board. But this one that happened now in Venice in Mission Impossible was hectic. That was like the Zion party and Reloaded. Yeah. It was like tits and nips <laughs> and bulges and you're just like, whoa, they're naked silhouettes. The and Europeans, man. They know how to party. Yeah. I mean, like I've heard rough story stories about like sex dungeons in Europe. Well, I was I was right. I was thinking about whether I should say that, but you've now just opened <laughs> I have the, opened the door. The Sorry. door for that. Um, someone I know Stop spent some, kids. someone I know spent some time in Berlin, and yeah, there are these. There's a you can go downstairs. It's very dark, mm. and apparently you can do whatever you want. You just right. you just feel your way around, find something you like. 
Um, something that I thought I should share as a fun little thing, if you guys haven't seen it, is um, do you know about How To with John Wilson? Have you heard of this? No. no. It's a TV show, How To. It's delightful. All right. It's on. It's an HBO thing, so it's on Showmax. And um, he is this kooky, quite weird, quite kind of nerdy dude. And he just films around New York. But he finds like the most bizarre, weird little cutaways. Right. And he makes this TV show out of all this found footage. And um, there's sort of lessons on life and there's ponderings right. on life. And it's kind of almost a little bit of philosophy with some of the strangest footage that you can really only get in a city like New York right. where there's just so many people, so many things happening. But from a storytelling, from a kookiness, from a sort of cinematography, from just general comedy, I think you guys would appreciate it. Right. Interesting. What is the how-to part of it? I, 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 maybe I need to watch a bit more, but I think the how-to is how to do life. Oh, right. That's quite an ambitious that's undertaking. That's what I sort of gathered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I got from it so far. But I just appreciated the absurdness of it all. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's an it's interesting cool premise. Show. Yeah. Talking about absurd premises in reality TV. Is it reality TV? Somewhat, yeah. It's right. just kind of almost like a documentary of sorts. Okay. Um, the reality TV show that I discovered this week um, was called Milf Manor. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is the one with yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, the yeah. back of the box <laughs> on Milf Manor. I shared this on on Instagram because it's like you'll never believe. No, the you'll twist. never believe it. And it's and, ridiculous. And even people responded on Instagram to like, "Holy shit!" Right. This premise. Okay, yeah, go, exactly. Go. So the premise is that a whole bunch of milfs. Mm-hmm. It's called Milf Manor, so I don't feel uncomfortable calling them that. They're like signed <laughs> up for it, um, like varying in age from like forties to like. Late 50s, maybe I think one of them might have been 60 and up, um, are single right. and they start the show going through their various circumstances and who they are, how many children they've had, how many marriages they've had. But now in their older age, they're accepting the fact that they're just going to live large and date younger men because right. dating younger men is better for whatever reason and they give their personal perspectives. And then they meet the on a, like a similar kind of like love island situation where they're rooming with everyone. Right. They reveal the young men that they're all going to be um, like courting. I think I know where this is going. And it's, it's their sons. Cheapers. It's like eight it's women, all of eight their sons. sons. Yeah, so they're going to be seeing their sons dating the other contestants that are there with them. My yeah. lord. But there's this moment in the show where I think they also give the perspective of the dudes where they're like, yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah. What, 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 what. I then, love dating older women. They yeah, just wish they can teach me. Yeah, and then there's just this like record skip moment where they get revealed and the, this, like one of the young dudes goes, mom? <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible. It's dreadful. And I, just I for a second, just, to, just as like a mental exercise, gender swap it. Mm. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. People would be furious. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. No, you know, wild. shows like this exist because of the writer's strike that happened like in 2007, <laughs> 2008. We're in another writer's strike right now. Exactly. It's going to get even worse. Now we're getting trashy we get, reality hey, TV. That's interesting. Like what shows will be developed yeah. now? And there's an actor strike as well. Yeah. So we, we should talk about that. But um, yeah, I tried watching the first episode of this. Where is it? I don't know. I, I you sailed just, the seven seas and picked okay. it up on an island somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they are. Uh, it's it's 
badly directed reality TV. I like started watching it. And even the moment where they reveal the sons, like what you'd want to see is the gasp, the reaction. And it's all very clearly pre like briefed. Yeah. Mm. And you can see these dude bros, um, himbos, who are like terrible at acting. Right. Being like, yeah, man, I can't believe it was my mom. Like, wow. They don't sound and, like himbos. Yeah, they're, they're very himbo-y. Really? Because himbos are like beefy, well-meaning. They're like nice buff boys. Oh, I didn't know that's nice. Yes, sorry, that's the whole I didn't point even... of a himbo. Johnny Bravo is not like nice and well-meaning, is he? I don't he's know. He's to hit on women. He's a himbo. You have to be <laughs> hold, stupid hold and beautiful. On, hold on. Hmm. What the fuck's a himbo? Four. A himbo is a stupid, beautiful, well-meaning, like a positive buff boy. I just, I just knew stupid did, and beautiful. Did, no, no, no. no. There's, like a posit- there's like a whole thing of they're, they're oh, okay. actually well-meaning. They have like a big heart. Where did you... How do you know this? The internet. The dude. internet. <laughs> Wild. I've never heard of this term. Yeah. So Thor... Thor's a himbo. Thor's yeah. a total himbo, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm going to look this up to make sure because this is going to be on like Urban Dictionary or something. Talk yeah, amongst yourselves. No, it will be, totally. I can't believe we're using Urban Dictionary as a legitimate source. I do all the time, but then sometimes there'll be multiple translations for a single thing. Or like definitions, sorry. <laughs> there you go. Tend to be not very bright, but usually extremely nice and respectful. Okay. And the, the example they use here is Kronk. Uh, from yeah, Emperor's New like, Groove. Yes, he's a perfect example of a himbo. Uh, squeakity, squeaker, uh, squeaker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I learned something today. Yeah, so don't watch Wolf Manor. It's straightful. Yeah, yeah. Avoid that. Yeah. It makes for, as you said about our cake video, um, it, it, it some some shows deserve to be whole shows and yes. some deserve to be a two-minute TikTok. <laughs> yeah, because that's the value they got out of it. And yeah. that's literally the payoff comes in in 10 seconds and then the rest is kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's that. Um but I think yeah, this was a nice little uh post chat. Mm. I think it was a good chance to chat a little bit more about Mission Impossible, but I think there's a lot more meat in these bones because we have a, a great chat um that we will make an episode at some point real soon we're not entirely sure when we've got to schedule it but we've got this really great chat with a friend who is an expert in ai or involved in the making of ai Mm. and um it's just cool that ai is surrounding us all the time and we actually i think for the first time really have our first ai villain right well the matrix terminator Okay, sorry. It's it's one of the first times maybe it feels a little bit more like grounded. A little more real. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's not yeah, not a it's not hulking, far distance science fiction. It's not in a walking yes. sort of or thing. Or a giant floating baby face. Yes. Giant floating baby face? Matrix Revolutions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's well. Jesus to go kill agents. <laughs> Um, at that point in the Matrix films, I was just a bit like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> what studio makes Mission Impossible? Paramount. Oh, it's not Warner Brothers. No. no. Damn it. Because I was like, just send Neo in there, crossover, <laughs> boom. Send, send Neo into the AI, into the entity. Um, have a big Agent Smith fight. <laughs> could be cool. Um, do you want to talk about the Axis strike? Yeah. So you, t- you, you, you touched on it. So SAG and the second part of that name, I keep on AFTRA, something like that has finally joined the Writers Guild of America strike. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? So the Screen Actors Guild of America, representing all actors, has joined the Writers Guild of America strike, which is primarily a strike against um, how basically the industry has completely changed yeah. um, because of the streaming model. 
And their, especially writers' earnings, have plummeted by like 20% or something in a decade because of the residuals that they don't get from okay. participating in projects on streaming particularly. Yeah, okay, I, think, so, so I think they would always... I assume sort of work that into like whatever fee they got for the for writing. Mm. They would take like less money, knowing that down the line they would be getting more based on residuals from yes. you know television and you know physical sales and that sort of thing. So but, okay, so in in an era where a TV show would be syndicated, so like mm. Friends would go around the world, and in our South African territory, like Mnet would buy it, yeah. and they would buy it again, and every time that happens whole bunch of people will get royalties as a result. They'll funnel back to everyone involved, yeah. including the writers. And now that's not happening because of streaming. Exactly. Mm. And so and so for the last however many months, the writers specifically have been striking mm. and it hasn't seemed to have changed or eased or helped them. Yeah. And so to add to that, the actor guilds are getting on board as well. Yeah. I don't I don't know if they were getting involved necessarily to support the writer's strike. I think they were striking for the same essentially principle. the same reasons, yeah. But then the a period lapsed this past week where they were supposed to renew contracts or something. Uh, and the debate was kind of getting to a point where it was going to be finalized before that or not. Right. And it wasn't finalized. Okay. But the big thing with both is the use of AI. So yeah. it actually fits into this discussion that we're having really well, just because it's about AI. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea is that like, if you're a background extra, studios want you to sign away your identity in perpetuity. Yeah. You'll never see any royalties for it. So if I'm an extra in a film mm. um, or an actor, background actor, whatever, they can use artificial intelligence to scan my face in frame and then use that on any other extra in future and I'll never see any rights... I don't own that image. I don't oh, own wow. my identity, yeah. which is one of the things in their contracts. Writers are also striking for the use or against the use, I think, of writing AIs, mm. like generative AI like ChatGPT, right? But it's just yeah. so wild how it's not even it's not even a, a future thing. Like this morning, I listened to Johnny Cash singing Barbie Girl. Oh, uh, for in yeah. Folsom Prison Blues. Yeah, I saw that. Like I listened to like, that happen. I'm a they, Barbie girl. They, you, they, Barbie Johnny Cash world. came yeah. to life and sang and his version of real. Aqua's Barbie Girl. Yeah. So it's like it can be done. <laughs> yeah. So like no like, one's no one's asking for his consent. Yeah. And yeah. it's just wild that these are very real rights. Like mm. throwback to the first movie in the new Black Mirror series. Mm. You know where Selma Hayek takes his shit in the church yeah exactly you know, she didn't sign up for that she to didn't happen. sign up for that well, she, she, did. She, she she gave away her rights to her identity to her, to her identity that was weirdly happened. prophetic what because the actor's strike hadn't started when that episode aired well that's what's so smart about black, black mirror, mirror. Yeah. is that it, it it's can like see actually these things coming, seeing you know. these things happening in the future so yeah. it's really rough but i think the most impressive like thing about this entire thing was Fran Drescher's speech as president of SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. As president of the union. I don't know if you mm. saw that. I watched a host of it. Um, and I think we just need to do the most surprising callback in history here. We're going to take a step back to the beautician and the beast. Oh, you're going there. I'm going there. I assumed there. you were going to the nanny. Well, mm. that's where we know it from growing yes. up, right? It's the nanny. Um, and it's so interesting seeing parts of that person you know emerging in her speech oh, right. where she's saying to the CEOs the jig is up you know in her <laughs> speech and it's just like this really impassioned casual speech right. which is like as well saying all the right things but 
it's not the first time Fran Drescher has stood up against like the powers that be right. in representation of the common man. Because in The Beautician and the Beast, in a satellite <laughs> state somewhere in Eastern Europe, yeah. and she sees the states of workers in a factory somewhere with right. uh, Timothy Dalton alongside uh, her yeah. as the the ruler emperor of this of this country yeah or like i don't know yeah president not a president <laughs> king yeah whatever royal yeah uh saying to them like look looking at their working conditions your working hours no this is nonsense and she rallies them to create a union uh, and is busy like radicalizing <laughs> the working force of her employer's nation and here she is and now she is in real decades life later, yeah. president the, of a union becoming yeah. the voice of this becoming the voice of this actor's strike. she was destined yeah <laughs> that's lovely she was destined to do it yeah it's absolutely brilliant lovely but yeah i think it's 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 interesting um it's it's feels like it's the first i don't know recently like in recent memory and maybe in a modern context this interrogation of bob Iger doesn't need to earn 150 million dollars a year no you bob Iger being the head of disney mm. yes yeah. And I saw a breakdown today of um, studio execs who earn the most. And David Zaslav, the uh, Warner Brothers, or the Warner Brothers guy now, yeah. is like earning four hundred and fifty million a year, and he's the one that's cutting all, all these DC movies. Uh, Warner Brothers is in like forty billion dollars of debt. Yeah, what? Well, it's like forty nine point five. I'm like, just buy something expensive, make it an even fifty. Yes, but uh, how is he making that much when this company is doing that badly? Yeah. No, but that's exactly my the thing. And then, it's weird. It's, the, it's that sort of weird my, economy of, of, of lending lending and yeah. spending so that, so that you declare that debt so that you don't have to pay as much tax. Yeah. It's, it's a weird play. It's why so much stuff's being cut from Disney Plus as well. It's also tax reasons. Yeah. But there, there's it's a wild. Naomi Klein book that came out ages ago. This was, I remember being in high school hearing this fact. And then it, it, someone said it again at Varsity. They, it's called No Logo is her book. She, she looked at these kind of economics. Mm. And at the time, I'll never forget this, the lowest person in Disney is like a factory worker in like Bangladesh that makes like shitty frozen cups, like yeah. kitty sippy cups, right? And the highest is this kind of Bob Iger, CEO of mm. Disney. That Bangladeshi or Asian factory worker has to spend 66 years of their life, 66 years of work, at the rate that they get paid, to earn what he earns in one hour. You can't fathom that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, what and, the fuck? And that was a while ago. Yes. And the world has only gotten more disparate yeah. since. So, you can only imagine. Now it would be almost impossible for that person to earn that amount. Of My goodness. Wild. So, yeah, this is the moment where people are looking at this disparity between like the residuals that writers will get on a project versus what an executive at Disney will mm. get yeah, and, for the property that they create. Yeah. And maybe to understand, okay, maybe the factory worker is not, it's certainly not a writer, but the writer is a far more key person than the factory worker. Like think about the idea of IP and who owns what. Mm. Yeah. The ideas are generated by the writer. Sure, producers can commission that so mm. they can be a part of that discussion. But it's it's just wild to think how the, these things exist in the modern world yeah. um, and how they're broken down. But have you heard about what actors can and can't do now that the strike's happening? Well, they can't. For one thing, they can't improvise on set. Really? Yeah. Because that's considered that writing. A... That's considered writing. So they're not allowed to. So like, for instance, this is affecting Deadpool 3 
because Ryan Reynolds will just improvise all the time. He's now not allowed to do that on the set of Deadpool. Wild. Yeah. That is absolutely wild. Writers um, in the Screen Actors Guild, their work will be protected on set. And they'll have representatives on set in some yeah. kind of script supervisor role, I guess, where they're looking at how the actor is reading the lines that they've written because they've gone through this entire drafting process. Mm -hmm. and those words will be protected. Mm. But it's where someone like Robert Downey Jr. infamously like ignores what's written. Yeah. Um, he will be a producer on the project, yeah. for example, that will allow him to make those kind of changes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. But is it, who's who's not allowing them to improvise? Screen the the guild because it's con it's considered writing. So uh, right, but right now the writers guild yes, because, because the, of the strike, because the strike is on, they're not allowed to write at all, and improvising is considering changing the text. So it's writing. Okay. But if something has been written already, yes. It's in production. Yeah. It can happen. Well, no. now, all, now of the, all of them will have stopped because of the writers. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. But struck. let's just say a script has been completed. Yes. It can now be shot. But yeah. but anyone who was like halfway through a film is now saying, I'm not going to write more of this film. Mm -hmm. So that's what's stopping the film from happening. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. I saw something about Stranger Things continuing shooting for some reason. Okay. Um, I don't know how that works with the guild. But, but then what is happening is that they're getting writers that aren't part of the guild to be writers. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they, they're allowed to work on like American productions if they're not part of the Screen Actors Guild. Okay. Or Writers Guild. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. That's what I mean. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So Chris Nolan said that the cast of Oppenheimer had to leave halfway through the London premiere and get, get on a plane. Yeah, because promotion now is not allowed either. So no press junkets, yeah. no promoting of movies. So now premiers for Barbie and Oppenheimer have to be, well, the actors can't attend. Yeah. Now, now that the actors have joined the strike. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so, oh, so it wasn't even a... I thought that was a dramatic choice mm -hmm. that they left the premiere. No, they're literally not allowed to do it. Wow, so there was this moment where halfway through the movie, the actors that were there to promote the film... To get up and leave. To get up and leave and, and leave the, the room. Yeah. Because yeah. the promotion is like part of the job, essentially. Yes. And they're not allowed to do the job now. Wild. Yeah. I think it's seeping into areas like ours where I've heard like people are talking about the fact that you shouldn't be promoting new releases and stuff if you support the strike and right. stuff. But I'm like, something as small as us isn't going to like have any impact. Yeah. You know? But at least we're talking about it and discussing what's going to happen now. So also like theatrical releases are like the one space where they are still making money. You know how you fuck know? this award season is going to be? Yeah. They were busy saying that the new fall season coming in America mm is like TIFF and Telluride and these festivals are yes. fucked because actors can't go make appearances to promote movies. Right. Screenwriters can't go do workshops. Unless the strike works and they can negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but who but they who they're negotiating against? Executives. Yeah, the studios. Ne the studios yeah. and Netflix. Yeah. So yeah. Netflix is they are essentially trying to yeah. completely undo a system that hasn't changed in decades. Mm -hmm. Like a contract that hasn't changed in, like, well, at least minor changes have been made. Yeah. But the like paradigm of it is like, yeah. You're not getting all these billions from our movies anymore, dude. Yeah. You know, that's like what they're saying, millions. Mm. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. It is absolutely wild. Do you guys know, just we're talking about David Zaslav, how many movies Warner Brothers released last year? No. Just, okay, as a point of reference, Disney, I think, released 16 or 17 theatrical films. Yeah. Do you want to guess how many Warner Brothers released? How many? Well, I'm asking you to guess. So we're playing a game, Cole. <laughs> Damn right. Um, 30. Yeah, I'm going to say five. Uh, two. Oh. They released two movies in I the year shot, 2022. I shut off in the wrong direction. What? And there were the smash hits Don't Worry Darling, which made no money, and Black Adam, which lost a lot of money. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, Warner Brothers is fucked at the moment. And now they just had The Flash, which, which has made less money than The Green Lantern. It's like the biggest bomb in like superhero movie ever. It's the biggest superhero bomb ever. I did not expect that to happen They've lost all. so it much cool, money. It was a cool movie. It was a great movie. It happened well, it too like late, fun. though. It came out too late. Yeah. It should have come out like three years ago. But I ago. think Ezra Miller's career is fucked. Yeah. I think, the, I think if this movie had done well, he would have been fine. But mm. clearly, people, it's, it's kind of saying to studios, oh, people don't yeah. give a shit about this. I it's also interesting that... I have to correction just yeah. to take sorry. sorry. They would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think they were really banking on Michael Keaton selling this movie. Mm. And people clearly don't give a fuck about him being Batman either. Because it's old, Like the man. nostalgia, they, like... The, the yeah. Batman audience of Michael Keaton is old now. Yeah. They go out and watch movies. Michael stumbled upon an actress during his lazy board scrollings through Letterboxd. Right. Um, named Nobuko Miyamoto. Uh, from Japan, right? Obviously, uh, but yeah, discovered that there was quite a following of hers on Letterboxd. So we started watching some of her movies together. Yeah. The first we watched was called Supermarket Woman, okay. uh, which was a beautiful little story about a woman that meets a man she used to know in school, and he's running a supermarket that's not doing well because a bargain bin equivalent has opened up next door or in the same town as taking all his business. Right. So she very in that very typical romantic, wholesome Japanese <laughs> goal. Yes. I can't remember what they say. What do they say? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll like cut in like a clip of someone going, all right. It's that thing that they always do. Right. Yeah, yeah. She says, I'm going to help you make the best fucking supermarket in Japan doesn't say fuck but she's <laughs> super wholesome and it's sweet and it's cute and it's about dealing with and the movie's called stuff. supermarket man super woman supermarket woman yeah um so then we discovered that there was a film which was rated 4.3 on letterbox directed by the same guy right juzo itami and this actress and we're like what? like scoring 4.3 on letterbox is a deal yeah right and it is called tampopo Okay. Right. I probably said that like a very wide person. Like Sipo. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, <laughs> Tam I don't know. But it's basically, I think the it's a Criterion Collection restoration film from the 80s. Right. Okay. And it's basically the best film about food that you've ever watched in your life. Right. Okay. It's also got that same kind of Japanese wholesomeness to us where she runs a ramen shop. Her husband died. She's got a son. And these two truckers, one of which is a very young, gorgeous-looking Ken Watanabe. Right. Yeah. I was like, what is it? He's, he's young once upon a time. <laughs> like, he's Don't beautiful. Forget. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they stop by and notice, your arm's a bit shit, lady. Obviously, don't say this. I'm briefing it terribly. Yeah. But they basically decide they're going to help her make right. the best ramen she can make. But this was a film made in the 80s. Yeah. And then it kind of works with that plot, but then it also goes off in these tangents, these vignettes about food in Japan. There's an etiquette class where they're teaching women how to eat Italian spaghetti correctly without right. making a noise. Um, it goes off in these weird tangents like that you don't expect. There's a couple that's got a fetish for eating food and they're busy kissing each other like swapping an egg yolk in and out of each other's mouths and putting cream on her nipple. And like, and like <laughs> it's, it sounds very on brand to Japan. Yeah, it's like... It's it's. Bizarre. I'm cutting out that sound effect you just made. <laughs> Sorry. And and the film's called Ta- Tamp. I don't want to say it now that I know I sound like a white English person. Tampopo. 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 Probably. Tampopo. So, um, it's an incredible movie, and I think it's the best movie about food. Parents said that. 
on uh, the thread on where we post the latest movies we watch in the Facebook group. Right. Mm. So just planting a seed there. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's like worth watching as a dumpling box cinema movie. That could be uh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but it's it's out there, out in the seas. Yeah, it's out in the seas. Um, a wonderful, wonderful movie about food. And don't watch it with your mom because it does get very dirty at uh, points. Mm. Um, Jack Russell goes, mm. <laughs> That's not. No, so, yeah. Okay, we're going down right to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a while. Cool. Uh, magic. Thank you, Didis. Cool. Thanks cool. for coming in. And thanks for a lovely day at, at work. Mm. I appreciate you guys. And yeah. thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we will see you again next week. Please get involved. Our communities are growing every day mm. we are so excited and chuffed to see more comments from people on instagram threads. and facebook threads is exciting um you can expect around sunday we're going to share the the films we've watched for the last week which is also something that more and more people are chiming in on so over on facebook look out for that also on threads also on threads yeah. thanks cole had really a new person it. coming today i was like woo. No, it's lovely and it's cool, and we, and I'm I'm now starting to meet people out in the real world as well that that tell me they listen and tell me what they like, and and I really Dope. I really cool. appreciate that, and um, yeah, and thanks for all the love for the soundbite videos we've been making that we post as reels on Instagram and over on TikTok and on the YouTube page, we've been getting lots of love for that, and so we really appreciate that support. Hmm. Um, rating and reviewing always helps. Hmm. That really helps. Um, give people some context and uh, and if you are still listening at this point thank you for listening the whole way through and uh, you can always share the love with people we are the video store.co.za and uh, we'll hope to see you again next week all right cheers bye-bye bye